Well, amen, amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and go to the Old Testament book of Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 1. And as you are turning there, um, why don't you do this as well? I'm, I'm asking you to do two things with your hands at the same time. That's kind of crazy. But can we just give a hand clap of praise to our Heavenly Father, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ this morning? Amen. Amen. Uh, worship, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, baptism fan- is fantastic. And so it's just a joy to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. It is a joy, and I hope that you're ready as we dive into Daniel chapter 1. This is going to be um, the second part of our message in the book of Daniel. We started it uh, last week, and uh, the title of this series is the book of Daniel, God is in control. And in this series, we are simply, excuse me. In this series, we are uh, looking at the life of Daniel and how God was in control of his entire life. And, and really, we're looking at the life of Daniel, see if we can make some application to our lives here in, in the year 2020. Because when Daniel writes, he is writing to the Jewish people who are in exile in Babylon. Uh, they are living in a godless society, um, and it is a, a, a book that is going to tell us uh, how do we live uh, a life that is... Uh, I would say thriving. How do we live a a thriving, godly life in the midst of a godless society? Now, let me just set this up again from from last week, just kind of give you a little brief recap of what we learned last week in verses 1 through 7. Last week, I told you this, that uh, in the book of Daniel, there is more adventure, um, there is more political intrigue, um, there there are more death threats, there's more raw courage found in this book, Daniel, than you'll find in all of the great movies of all time. Now, I'm about to age myself right now, okay? So, uh, students, teenagers, some, this couple of movies you may not know, um, and, but that's, I'm, I'm willing to take the chance, okay? There's a couple of movies that uh, I think have a lot of action, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and all the old people said, yes. Raiders of the Lost Ark, a lot of excitement, a lot of uh, escapes. Um, some of you may like the series Mission Impossible, uh, Tom Cruise, I That's whatever, but uh, Mission Impossible, a lot of action. Uh, How about this one, some action movies that I liked, um, Born Identity. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, good, good, all right. Um, This one's kind of a real big one. It's a popular one in my household, but it's a lot of action, a lot of great dang escapes, a lot of courage, and that is uh, Star Wars, right? Any Star Wars fans? Well, yeah, all of those are great movies, but let me give you a little secret about all those great movies that I just mentioned. I don't know if you know this or not, but all of those movies are fake. (laughs) Did you know that? They're make-believe. They're made up. But in this book, Daniel, we will, over the next several weeks, we are going to look at six stories. We'll look at uh, six different prophecies in this book of Daniel. And guess what? They are not fake. Every single one of them happened or they are going to happen. And so this is one of the greatest stories, amazing stories, I think, in all of history. It's all found in the Old Testament book of Daniel. 
And last week, we discovered that Daniel, um, he, the story of Daniel begins when he is just a young teenager, uh, 13 to 15 years old. And by the end of Daniel chapter 12, 12 chapters in this book, at the end of the book of Daniel, Daniel is 85 years old. And he has risen from an exile, a prisoner of war. That's how the story begins. And by the end of Daniel chapter 12, he becomes one of the most powerful men in a godless society. Now, let me just, again, set this scene for you again before we dive into verse 8 and following. The context of Daniel is this. The nation Israel, and specifically the two southern tribes, Judah, these tribes, these, <clears throat> this nation has turned its back on God. They have turned their back on God. They have fallen into deep spiritual decline. God has not been happy with the nation Israel and Judah for a long time because the nation has fallen into idolatry, immorality, and injustice. Question, does that sound relevant today? It is 100% relevant today. Um, As I was praying through this um, late last night again and early this morning, just the idea came to my mind that one of the arguments that many people in our culture today make about the Bible and about the church is this. Well, the Bible and the church, it's just not relevant. Have you heard that before? Have you seen that on social media before? Well, the Bible isn't relevant. The church, oh goodness, the church isn't relevant. Listen, as we're studying the book of Daniel, it is my prayer that you will come under the conviction that you cannot stand for that argument. That argument that the Bible is not relevant and that the church is not relevant, that is a bogus argument. Because what we will see in the book of Daniel, we can easily make the same applications to us today in the year 2020. Now, as Daniel kicks off, um, we just need to understand that years before Daniel happens, God had sent some prophets into the nation. Prophets like, like Jeremiah, prophets like Zephaniah, prophets like Isaiah, who said this to the nation, to the people. Guys, you need to turn around. You need to get right with God. You, you need to repent. You need to get rid, of your, get rid of your idolatry. You need to repent and turn back to the one true living God. And God says through the prophets, the great prophets of the Old Testament, God says, if you do not turn back to me, I'm going to send you into exile. I will send you off as a form of discipline, and you, you will lose all of your freedom. As a matter of fact, God prophesied before Daniel takes place. He says, I, if you do not turn around, I will send a nation to you who does not speak your language, and you will follow them. And guess what happens? It's exactly what happened. The nation did not repent and did not turn. And so in the year 605 B.C., that's where chapter 1, verse 1 begins, In 605 B.C., God kept his word. God kept his word. He sent the greatest uh, nation at that time, Babylon, 
with the greatest king of that time, the most powerful king at that time, King Nebuchadnezzar, and he sent that kingdom to Israel, to Jerusalem, and they destroyed the nation of Israel and Judah. They destroyed the capital city of Jerusalem, and in that they took many of the men and ladies of of Jerusalem and of Judah, and they sent them back to Babylon, modern-day Iraq, and they were in exile for 70 years. That's the background. One of the men, one of the boys taken in exile was this young boy named Daniel, 13, 14, 15 years old. And keep this in mind as we read this entire book over the next several weeks, that when Daniel is carried off, parents, think about this, he's a teenager. He's ripped from his family. He will never see them again. He will never go back to his home country. If you remember, I said this last week, and uh, I think this will be good to remind you of it as well. And all throughout this book of Daniel, you never hear Daniel complain. Wow. He never complains. And by the end of his life, we see Daniel as one of the great heroes of our faith. And it all takes place in the midst of a godless society. Well, isn't that good? That's just warm-up. That's just warm-up. All right, here we go. Let's look at Daniel chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. And what I want to talk to you today, talk to you about today is Daniel's uncompromising life, which leads to unashamed boldness. It's uncompromising life that leads to unashamed boldness. Pick up verse number 8, and we read, But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself. Now stop there for just a second. I believe this, that you need to mark verse number eight. I believe that this is the key verse to understanding and interpreting the book of Daniel correctly. Because everything that happens in the rest of this book, it takes place right here, begins right here in verse number eight. Because this is, this is the understanding. The King James Version says that Daniel purposed in his heart. Uh, other translations will say that Daniel resolved. Uh, others will say that, that Daniel determined. And so everything that flows from, in, from this book, it flows, it has its beginning right here in verse number 8. Everything flows from it. Now I want you to notice that very first word in verse number 8. What's that word? It's the word but. It's the word, but you need to circle that, underline it, highlight it. In my Bible, I have it outlined in red. I have a big star by it because this is an extremely important word. Now, we're going to do a little hermeneutics right now. Everybody know what hermeneutics is? You have no clue. Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. Hermeneutics is the correct study of the Bible. It's the correct interpretation of the Bible, meaning this, that when you read the Bible, you cannot just say what it means. It can't be your own opinion. You have to interpret it correctly, and there are clues that the Bible gives us. And and really, in all literature, in all English, it's the same way. There are clues. And that word, but, is a big clue. I want you to write this down in your notes. It's not on the screen, but this is a hermeneutical phrase and hermeneutical concept. That word, but, it is what's called a term. I just forgot it. Let me go back. Yep. A term of contrast. A term of contrast. Now, other terms of contrast in, in literature, in English, and here in Hebrew, words like however, in spite of, nevertheless, or yet. 
When you identify these terms of conflict, something in your brain and in your spiritual antennas, something needs to go up. And you need to ask yourself this question, what is changing? Because a term of contrast means that you are changing direction. Everybody with me? It means you are changing direction. Terms of contrast, the word but, however, nevertheless, yet, it means that something has happened previously and now we are going to go in a different direction. Start catching the spiritual theme here. Something has happened, but now we're going to go in a different direction. So the writer of the book of Daniel is Daniel. So in verses 1 through 7, Daniel has written in a certain direction, but now as he begins verse 8, he uses the word but because he says, I'm going in a different direction. Do you catch it? Do you catch it? He is making a point here with just that one word, but this term of contrast. He says, I'm now going in a different direction. Verses 1 through 7, we said last week, you can write down these words. Verses 1 through 7, we can, you can write down these words. A destruction, discipline, deconstruction of one's faith. As a matter of fact, verses 1 through 7, verses 1 through 7 are the worst days in the life of Judah. They're losing everything that they've ever known. They're being ridiculed. Uh, They're being humiliated. David and other boys have been ripped from their families. Um, They have been emasculated. They've been given different names. Their past is being wiped away. And this has been a really, really bad experience for them in verses 1 through 7. It was a bad time. But in verse 8, Daniel uses this word, but, a term of contrast, which he says, I'm now going in a different direction. Are you catching the spiritual theme here? I want you to write this down. You can change direction. Somebody needs to hear that again. You can change direction. You may be going in verses 1 through 7. Your life may be brutal right now. It may be difficult. You may have received a terrible diagnosis. And you may be thinking destruction. You may be thinking uh, some other difficult things have come in your life. And nobody is, 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 we don't ridicule that moment. Amen? We don't ridicule that but that may be a difficult moment. That may be a difficult thing. But here's what, here's what we know from Scripture. We know it from Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. We know it because of who Jesus Christ is. We know this, that no matter what your circumstance is, you can change direction. You can change direction, and you can begin to walk in a new way of life. And this is Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. It doesn't matter what happened in verses 1 through 7. It is what it is. You've ever heard that phrase before? It is what it is. You cannot change the past. You cannot dwell on the past. You don't forget the past. You learn from it, and then you go in a different direction. And so verse number eight, that one little word, who knew that you could study one word and make a message out of that? Amen? What did you learn at church today? But. That's pretty good. That's pretty good right there. You'll be talking about that at lunchtime today. So in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, Daniel begins it with the word, but. How do you change direction? We're going to see that all throughout this text today. How do you change direction? It's going to be very easy to see. You change direction 
by going against the flow. By going against the flow. You go against the flow. You don't take the easy road. We'll see in our text and the rest of this book that, that Daniel and his three friends, um, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, uh, known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they chose the narrow road. Does that sound like something Jesus said later on in the New Testament? The narrow road? Does it make sense now why God would grant Daniel favor? Does it make sense why God would grant Daniel favor? Does it make sense? Does it make sense? It makes sense why God would now give Daniel favor, which it says in verse 9, because here's what we know through Scripture. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, the way to experience the good hand of God. Now, you do need to understand that God does have two hands. He's got a good hand. He's got a really good backhand. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? He's got a good hand, his favor, but he's got a bad hand where there is, you know, there is some discipline there. Well, if you want the good hand of God, if you want to experience the good hand of God, which is the favor of the Lord, the way you do that and experience that is that you live a life in obedience to the revealed will of God. You want to be, you want to have God's favor, you want to have God's blessing, you do what he's already told you to do. You do what he's already revealed to you. Um, Elizabeth Elliot, I don't know if you know that name or not. Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of the great missionary, Jim Elliot, who gave his life down in South uh, America. Um, Elizabeth Elliot, and, and uh, an author of a book that I believe um, every student, uh, boy and girl, you need to read this book. She wrote a book titled Passion for Purity. If you're single, you're wrestling with marriage, you're wrestling with how to live a pure life and saving yourself for your spouse, spouse, read the book Passion for Purity by Elizabeth Elliot. But listen to what she said about, about obedience. It's on the screen and she said this. Does it make sense to pray for God? Excuse me. Does it make sense to pray for guidance about the future if we are not obeying the thing that lies before us today? It's pretty good, isn't it? How many momentous events in Scripture depended upon one person's seemingly small act of obedience? Rest assured, do what God tells you to do now, depend upon it, and you will be shown what to do next. This is Daniel. Daniel verse 8 out of chapter 1. All of the rest of this book flows from Daniel's decision that he is going to make up his mind. Write, write this down. I don't, I don't think this is on the screen, but write this down. Heroes of the faith are those who make up their minds. Heroes of the faith are those who make up their minds. They are resolved. They make a determination to live a certain way. I think of, uh, I think of Caleb in the book of Joshua. Remember the story of Joshua and Caleb, the, the 12 spies, the two who are good spies? Uh, Joshua and Caleb. Caleb, it says about Caleb that he wholly followed the Lord. He made up his mind. Joshua writes this at the end of his book. He says, as for me and my house, 
We will serve the Lord. How about Elijah? Elijah, when he is uh, talking to the nation of Israel um, who are, who are uh, debating a couple of opinions, uh, Elijah says to the nation, he says, how long will you stand between two opinions? Paul said, I do this one thing. Jesus, in the New Testament, when it came time for him to be crucified, near the end of his ministry, it says this about Jesus, that he turned his face toward Jerusalem. He made up his mind. He made a determination. How many of you ever heard of the pastor um, Vance Havner? Anybody ever heard that name, Vance Havner? One of you. Awesome. Vance Havner, uh, preacher of old, um, he would be considered to be a prophet. Uh, A prophet meaning this, he would tell you like it is. Let me just read to you what Vance Havner said about making up your mind. And it's so appropriate today. He says this. One of our biggest problems today is that most of our church people have never really made up their minds to follow Jesus Christ. They are like Mr. Looking Both Ways in the Pilgrim's Progress or like Lot's wife looking back towards Sodom. They are like the man in the Civil War who wore a blue coat and gray trousers and was shot at from both sides. They are like a donkey between two bells of hay, undecided as which to eat. They are like the son in our Lord's parable who said, I will go, but he never went. They receive the word with joy, but have no root nor depth and soon fall away. They never really make up their minds and are like the man who was once asked, do you have trouble making decisions? And he replied, well, yes and no. Can I ask you a question this morning? That's actually two questions. Is there something that you can do today? Is there a decision that you can make today that can make your life worse over the next two weeks? Yeah. Is there a decision that you can make today that can make your life dramatically better over the next two weeks? Make up your mind. But Daniel, well, let's continue on. What time is it? Sweet. I've got to go through verse 21. Do you think we can do it? Do you think we can do it? Verse 8. We're going to stop at the next word, Daniel, and we're going to break that one down. Just joking. Verse 8, but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself. You need to circle that word defile. He would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine which he drank. Again, let's, let's, again, this sets the whole context for the book of Daniel. What is Daniel deciding to do? Well, it tells us that he's deciding not to defile himself. He's making a conscious decision to not defile himself. What does the word defile mean? Write this word down in your notes. It is the Hebrew word. Uh, it's spelled G-A-A-L. G-A-A-L. It is the Hebrew word, and it's pronounced ga'al. Ga'al. That's a guttural. Ga'al. And so Daniel uses this word uh, ga'al for the word defile, and it means to corrupt. It means, it means to pollute. It means to, uh, to, to, to lose purity. 
But Daniel made up his mind not to go all himself, not to pollute himself. Let me give you an example. If you and I were to go to the beach later today, um, East Beach, practicing safe social distancing, amen? And everybody said, amen? If you were to go to the beach at East Beach and all of us were there and we decided to, you know, have Cokes and sandwiches to eat or whatever, and when we were finished with those drinks and our snacks, if we just left them on the beach and we walked away, we would be polluting the beach. We would be defiling the beach. We would be making it dirty. And Daniel is saying, I will not dirty myself. I will not make myself unclean. Now, what is he saying is unclean? What is he saying? Verse 8 tells us. He says, I will not defile myself according to what? I will not do what? I will not eat the king's what? Food, and I will not drink the king's wine. I am not going to defile myself. I'm not going to pollute myself by eating the king's food. Well, what's the big deal with the Babylonian food? What's the big deal? Now, now remember this. Daniel is 13, 14, 15 years old. He's about to stand up before the greatest man in the world at this time, Nebuchadnezzar, and he's going to be upset about food? You think he's going to win this battle? This is the biggest, the greatest man in the world, Nebuchadnezzar, and he's having an issue with food. What is going on? Well, scholars will debate about what the issue is, but this is what I believe the issue is from reading commentaries and just reading this. This is what I believe is going on. I want you to write this down. Daniel did not eat the king's food or drink the wine because he knew God's word. He knew God's word, meaning he would not defile himself because he knew God's word. Well, what did Daniel know? What did Daniel know? Well, Daniel knew what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, verse 11, which says this, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I know God's word. What else did Daniel know? Daniel knew Leviticus chapter 18, verse 24, which says this, do not defile yourself, Jewish person. Do not defile yourself like the other nations. Daniel knew God's word. Daniel knew that God chose the Israelite people, the Jewish people. He chose them for a reason, and he gave them very strict dietary laws. We call them kosher laws. And God did this for a very specific reason for the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. God chose the Jewish people. He says, I want you to be unique. Listen, Christian, listen, listen. God said, I choose you, Israel, out of all the peoples of the world, I choose you to be different. I choose you. I call you to be separate from the world. Yes, you're in the world, but I call you to live differently. I call you to live different than the nations around you. I call you to live differently than all the people around you. I call you to eat differently than the other people. Did God choose the Jewish people because they were better than everybody else? No. God chose the Jewish people because it's through the Jewish people that we get the Messiah, whose name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's out of that, God says, I need a people who are my own, who will do things my way. Daniel knows this. He knows this. Now, here's a question that that comes to my mind. How does a 13-year-old boy know anything? Amen? Amen? I mean, 13-year-old boys. I got to be honest with you. I was one at one point. I wasn't very bright as a 13-year-old boy. 
Isn't that right, moms and dads of teenage boys? How can a 13-year-old boy know these things? How does this happen? How do we know this? Moms and dads, write this down. Write it down, moms and dads. Daniel knew God's word because his parents taught him. Daniel knew God's word because his mom, his dad, they taught him. His grandparents taught him God's word. Well, pastor, how do you know that? Because that's what God commanded the Jewish parents to do. Well, how do you know that? All right. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is something that the Jewish culture would do. And this is why Daniel would know the dietary laws that he is now saying, I can't eat the food that the king's given me. I can't drink the wine that the king's given me. Why? Because he knows God's word. He knows there's dietary laws. Where did he learn this? He learned it from his mom, his dad, his grandparents. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, and it reads, You... Parents, you shall teach them diligently, teach God's law diligently to your sons and your daughters, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Moms and dads, how often should you talk about God's word with your sons and your daughters according to verse number seven? All the time, which means You need to know God's law. You need to know God's word. Listen, the way God set up the family, the way God set up the family was this. And I want you to listen to me. And students, listen to me. You're not going to like this. That's okay. When I was a teenager, I didn't like it either. But the way God set up the family is this way. Moms and dads, you do the teaching. Sons and daughters, you do the learning. Are y'all sure about that? Are you sure? Am I correct in that? Am I correct in that? The Bible teaches, moms and dads, you teach your children. The greatest educational system in the world is the family. And when the family breaks down, guess what else breaks down? Everything. So, children, students, it is not your job, responsibility, God-given responsibility to teach your mom and dad. Nobody want to say anything to that? But it's true, right? Now listen, I, I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of reading about different generations hear about the millennial generation, right? The millennial generation is one of the largest generations um, in history of our country and that we need to learn from the millennial generation. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Millennial generation, you learn from those who came before you. Hello? Is is, is, Is this right? You may be a Gen Xer, 
That's me. We're the smallest generation that ever came in our culture. Everybody forgets about us. It's okay. You may be a Gen Zer. You may be a generator. I don't know what generation you're a part of. <laughs> but the Bible mandate is this, that those who come before you, we learn from them because they are teaching us God's law. Well, I don't know how you feel about all of that. But Daniel knew God's word. Moms and dads, let's say your 13, 14, 15-year-old son or your daughter, let's say they get radically kidnapped. Do you believe, have you prepared your son or your daughter to be able to stand on God's word when they're separated? It's painful, isn't it? This is what happened to Daniel. His mom and dad, I don't, I think they knew, yes, they knew that discipline was coming, that exile was coming. If they did not repent, Daniel was part of a nobility, noble family. But his parents invested in him so that he would know God's law when he's on his own. Well, verse 9. It's going to take us 13 years to get through the book of Daniel. (laughs) And everybody's okay with that. Verse 9. Now God granted. God's back in the picture here. God enters. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. So God grants Daniel favor. Write this down. Write this phrase down. God's favor is the rich reward of the obedient. You want God's favor, you obey him. That's all throughout scripture. Noah found grace. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Joseph found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Moses found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now look what God does for Daniel. Pick up verse number 10 and we're going to pick up the pace. Verse 10. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord the king who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. So the commander is more afraid of man than of the Almighty. Verse 11, but Daniel said to the overseer whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, verse 12, please test us. Test us for 10 days. Let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Verse 13, then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and then deal with us according to what you see. So Daniel's proposal is very simple. He's under conviction. I can't do, I can't do something opposite of God's word. God's law says this. I can't ignore that. They want me to do this. They want me to compromise. I can't do this. So Daniel thinks up of a plan that God has given him and he just says, give us something different to eat. Give Give us vegetables and water, and then look at us. Just look at us differently. Just look. Just give us a chance. Now, what I love about these verses, 10, 11, 12, and 13, what I love about this is we see the wisdom of Daniel at the age of 13, 14, and 15. The wisdom. Notice this. Notice that Daniel does not start a protest. Right? He doesn't. Notice he does not write a letter demanding the impeachment of King Nebuchadnezzar. Notice that he doesn't demand 
anything. Notice he doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, what he does is he respects the authority and he asks permission. What a novel concept. He asks permission. Students, you want to know how to change the culture? It's pretty good right there. You want to change the culture? It's pretty good right here. This is a pretty good idea. And what happens? Verses 15 through 16 tell us what happened over the next 10 days. The next 10 days, uh, uh, Daniel and his three friends, they look better than all these other boys who are eating the king's food. And they look so good uh, that the commander allows them to continue to eat this strange menu. Now, I'm sure some of you have heard about the Daniel fast before. Now, I want to stand up here and tell you that there is nothing wrong with the Daniel fast. But you cannot use verses, uh, verses 8 through 13 to state that God's law says I must eat like Daniel. Does that make sense? Does that, hello, does that make sense? Now, you can fast like Daniel, that's great, but you cannot make that a mandate. And there's been books that have been written on that, and you can figure that out yourself. But write this phrase down, write this down. God blesses those who make up their minds to honor him. This is the story of verse number 8 through 13. God blesses those who make up their minds to honor him. Well, the rest of the chapter actually ends on a very positive note. And we see how the overseer continues to, to, to show Daniel favor. Uh, verse 17, it says that God gives uh, Daniel and his three friends the ability to, to learn Babylonian culture. It gives them wisdom. It actually gives Daniel the ability to interpret dreams. And so God gives them all that they need to survive in a godless society simply because they obeyed God. They made up their mind. Well, how many of you would be in agreement today that that some of us need to make up our minds. We started today's service with baptism. Some of you this morning, you need to make up your mind today to follow in believer's baptism. You've professed Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you haven't followed in believer's baptism. Make up your mind to follow in believer's baptism. God will honor that. There's some of you here this morning, you have been standing between two opinions, whether or not you should follow Jesus Christ with all of your heart or whether you should follow parts of the world. My challenge to you today is this, dare to be a Daniel. Young boys that are here today. you're watching by our website, our Facebook, boys, I want you to hear, I'm the, I'm the dad of two daughters. I pray, I pray, I pray that their husbands would be a Daniel in the world. Young men, I need you to be a Daniel. God needs you to be a Daniel. This world needs you to be a Daniel. Young girls, this does not mean that you don't have to be a Daniel. You could be a Danielle. <laughs> but you need to be that. And you need to stand up. 
and you need to stand for God's word. Moms, dads, it's time for you to pour God's word into your son and your daughter's life. Pastor, I don't know how to do that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Do you know how to read? Do you eat dinner with your family? Combine the two. Read God's word. Write notes to your sons and your daughter. Write scripture to your sons and your daughters. Pray scripture over them. Have a theme verse for them this year for school. Have a verse. Pray it. Speak it. Believe it. Raise them to be men and women of God who will really change the world where the world needs changing. And the world needs changing because they need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And we need, we need Daniels to stand up in a godless society and say, I'm not going where the world wants me to go. I'm going where God's going me to go. Let me close with this. Adam, if you guys will go and come up to the stage, please. Let me close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul writes to believers, again, in a godless city of Corinth. And he writes to them and says, this is how you be a Daniel. Y'all still with me this morning? Still with me? Read this with me. This is God's word. How we can be a Daniel. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 7, verse 1. And it reads. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial, which is Belial is another God that isn't God. You with me? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God has said. I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out. Come out from their midst and be separate. Do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you. And I'll be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, that may we be perfected in holiness in the fear of God. May we all dare to be Daniels. If you need to come to the altar this morning, 
maybe for confession of defilement. Please come. Maybe you need to come to the altar to make that commitment that you're going to make up your mind to be a Daniel. Maybe somebody needs to make the commitment, I'm following Jesus Christ with everything I have today. Maybe you need to come and say, Pastor, I want to make the decision to follow in believer's baptism. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit has revealed to you through his revealed word of God, and he is speaking to you what you should make up your mind about. Maybe Jesus Christ be glorified. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. I pray that we would all be like a Daniel. Show us where we need to make up our minds and may we follow you in complete obedience knowing that you will greatly bless those who follow in obedience. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.